If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. This morning, I'm concluding my sermon series, No Limits, Believing God for the Impossible. We've been, uh, for several weeks now, talking about having a faith with no limits, a faith that doesn't place any limits on God, but we realize that an omnipotent God can and will do abundantly above all we can ask or think. And so uh, we want to have a faith that places no limits on that, that allows God to do whatever he can and will do. This morning I want to minister to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. May the Lord add his blessing to his holy word. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject, the open door. The open door. As we read these few verses from the pen of the Apostle Paul, I wonder if we can hear what he's really saying. Evidently, Paul is a bit tired. He's already spent more than eight years on his first two missionary journeys, traveling from city to city, working tirelessly, preaching the gospel of Christ, starting churches, facing opposition, sometimes even having to flee from those who want to kill him. Now Paul is in Ephesus on his third missionary journey, and he's writing from there to some of his friends in the church at Corinth. He's saying that he would like to come and spend some time with them, maybe even spend the upcoming winter. Uh, he sounds like someone who needs a vacation almost, doesn't he? You ever, anybody ever need a vacation? Some are saying right about now, right? Paul says he's hoping to come and uh, spend some time, more than a passing visit, with the Corinthians. But then we notice the ninth verse that says this, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. The door that God was opening to Paul, even though he wanted to go visit his friends in Corinth, the door that God was opening for him was in the city of Ephesus. In fact, Paul ends up staying there for three years, more than twice as long as he ever stayed anyplace else on his journeys. And from what we read, God used Paul not only to start a great church in Ephesus, but while he was there, many more churches started in the towns and cities around Ephesus. It became a center from which the gospel flowed throughout all the provinces surrounding them. But I want to ask you this, this morning. I want to play a little what if. What if Paul did not recognize that a great door for effective work was opening up for him? 
Or what if he recognized it but was not willing to walk through it for whatever reason? Can you imagine that? The history of the expansion of the church would have been quite different. Paul knew that an open door is an invitation to walk into a new realm of ministry and service, service and accomplish great things for God. And tired or not, he would never fail to walk through a door God had opened for him. This morning, I believe that God is still opening doors and inviting his people to walk through them. You see, having faith with no limits, as we've been talking about, faith that believes God for the impossible, is more than just believing for God to do great things for us. It is also about having faith for him to do great things through us. Do we understand that? You see, we love to hear messages that talk about having faith for God to do amazing things for us. Who doesn't love a message like that? I do. But we're, we're, look, we're, we're, we're looking in a little bit different direction today. We're talking about walking through open doors for God to do great things through us. Understanding that, I want to examine the characteristics of the door that God wants to open for each of us. A door that God opens can be described in three ways. First of all, a door that God opens for us is a door of opportunity. A door of opportunity. Paul said in verse 9, a great door for effective work has opened to me. A great door. We know what a door is. And a door is, it can represent a blockage if it's closed, or it can represent access if it's open. And Paul says, a great door has opened for me in Ephesus. Ephesus was not exactly a place where most Christians, most committed Christians anyway, would have wanted to settle. Yes, it was a big city, one of the major cities in the eastern Mediterranean area. It was a financial and commercial center in a very rich city. It boasted one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. But also there was the Temple of Diana with all of its gross immorality and legalized prostitution. In fact, that was part of their worship. The sexual immorality was part of their worship of the goddess Diana. It was a city where people were superstitious and believed in magic. They were constantly looking for soothsayers and fortune tellers to guide their lives. It was not a place where Christians would normally want to live. But when Paul looked at Ephesus and saw the hundreds of thousands of people going about their daily activities, he said, there is an open door here and I guess I'll stay a while longer. Kind of like the story about the shoe company that sent a representative to a remote island. And the representative uh, contacted the home office and said, There's not, not, we're not going to make many sales here. Hardly anybody wears shoes. They sent another representative, and he wrote back and said, This is a great opportunity. We have tons of customers without shoes to sell shoes to. <laughs> Saw it as an opportunity. And that's how Paul looked at the immoral, godless city of Ephesus. It was an opportunity. 
now, you only have to read the 19th chapter of Acts to learn what that open door was. There we are told that Paul had, had been driven out of the synagogue and he had to rent a lecture hall to teach in. And he gathered people in that hall and he taught them the word of God. And the effect of that phenomenal teaching was that the gospel literally exploded throughout the whole Roman province of Asia. And churches were started all over the place. Paul said, I'm not going to pass that opportunity by. Yes, I want to go to Macedonia. Yes, I want to come see you, Corinthians. But for now, I must exploit this open door. He saw the opportunity that was there. There were so many people who needed to hear about Jesus, and Paul was determined to share the gospel with them. The root of the word opportunity is port. Did you know that? And where, where, we, where we get this word from is that a port uh, was an entryway by water into a city or a place of business. In antiquity, when the tide and the winds were right and the port opened, it allowed entry to do commerce, to visit, or even to invade and conquer. But only those who recognized the opening could take advantage of the open port or the opportunity. Church, the winds of spiritual opportunity are continually blowing. There are opportunities all around us to advance the cause of Christ. We can lament, and listen, I've lamented with you. I go on social media and I see the commentary and the comments after, after articles on controversial issues. I see how uh, hostile... Uh, so much of our world is to the gospel and to Christianity, just like you see it. And, and the godlessness that's rampant in our nation and in our nation's leadership. And it can be discouraging. We can feel overwhelmed. But if we look at things like the Apostle Paul, we'll see that there is a great door of opportunity. There are, there are a lot of customers, so to speak. Amen? There are a lot of people who need Jesus. There are opportunities and open doors all around us. Are we paying attention is the question. Are we paying attention to opportunities to start a ministry, to share the gospel, to impact someone's life for all eternity? Or are we huddled inwardly, focused on ourselves? A door of opportunity. God is still in the business of opening doors of opportunity. The question is, are we willing to walk through them? Are we willing to recognize and walk through doors of opportunity? So first of all, a door that God opens is a door of opportunity. Secondly, the door that God opens for us is a door of obligation. Obligation. Paul said, a great door for effective work has opened to me. To me. Paul saw a door of obligation. The door is open to me. He didn't say it was open to Timothy or Barnabas or someone else. It had opened to him. Paul felt, we need to hear this church, Paul felt a personal obligation to stay in Ephesus and preach the word of God to them. This was not so much a strategic decision as it was a, a personal obligation on the part of Paul. 
we gain a little insight into his mindset from what he wrote in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. When writing to the church in Rome about his desire to minister in that city, this is what Paul said. He said, I am obligated, I am obligated to, to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Paul didn't go through what he went through. The murder plots, the stonings, the lies about his name, the being driven out of cities, the imprisonments, the physical torture and beatings he endured. He didn't do that because his ministry was a casual preference, did he? He did it because it was an obligation to the God who had rescued him. And when God opens a door, he opens a door specifically to you. And to me, the great missionary Amy Carmichael tells of dreaming that she was in the jungle sitting by the campfire one night. As she watched the flames of fire soar into the sky, she said that she could see a grassy place, a clearing in the jungle, and many people were walking across it to a terrible precipice. There was a mother with a little girl clinging to her skirt walking to the precipice. And no one said anything to her, and she fell over the precipice, and Amy could hear the screams as they plummeted to their death. Then she saw a little boy walking toward the precipice, and he was blind, uh, just as the mother and daughter had been blind. And as he was walking to the cliff, Amy thought, why doesn't somebody say something to him? And as the boy fell over the cliff, he grabbed hold of a little tuft of grass and screamed for help, but no one came, and he finally also dropped to his death, and there were thousands of others, all of them blind, all of them heading toward the precipice too. And in her dream, Amy Carmichael said, I cried from the depths of my soul. Why doesn't somebody tell them about the precipice and warn them of their danger? Then she said, I heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send? And she said, I said, I'll go. I'll go. All right, said the Lord, then you're my messenger. And Amy Carmichael went to India where she served as a missionary for 55 years without a furlough. You see, Amy Carmichael's vision is a picture of our world. There is a precipice and the spiritually blind are rushing headlong and heading over the edge of that precipice, that cliff, to eternal damnation. Does anybody care? Will anyone stand up like the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 and like Amy Carmichael and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. A door of obligation. One time, James Dobson, the founder of Focus on the Family, was going to be on Larry King Live. And Larry asked him specifically, he was on his show many times, but he asked him specifically for that uh, show to talk specifically about children. Dobson said, speaking of this uh, upcoming uh, appearance, he said, I view this opportunity as a responsibility. In other words, he couldn't say no to the obligation he felt to speak out for children. This morning, church, each of us who names the name of Jesus Christ has a calling, an obligation that is uniquely ours. 
I can't fulfill your obligation, and you can't fulfill mine. And I want to say this this morning, and, and I, I, I felt led of the Lord to say this, and I say this with all the love I can muster, but I question the authenticity of any self-proclaimed Christian who doesn't feel a sense of obligation to give of themselves to the cause of Christ. Church, it's not optional. It's not part of our Christianity we can sweep to the side. Doors of obligation are opening around us if we will see them. Do you have a sense of obligation this morning? That's my prayer. That none of us become so wrapped up in our world and our feelings and our agenda and our circumstances and our likes and our dislikes that we ignore the obligation of an open door that God places in our life to advance the kingdom of God, to serve, to minister, to speak up, to do an act of kindness, to walk through an open door. It's a door of obligation. What's the third aspect of a door that God opens for us? It's also a door of opposition. Paul said, a great door of opportunity is open to me and there are many who oppose me. Many who oppose me. Ephesus was the second greatest city in the whole Roman world. As I said, the heart of it was the temple of Diana, a pagan temple where idols worshipped, were worshipped in degrading sexual ways. The Christian church of Ephesus stood against the whole traffic of that temple, and yet it was the heart of the city. It was the banking place for all the merchants and everything gathered around it. In Ephesus, there were also Jewish synagogues that bitterly opposed what Paul was doing. They hated him and hounded him everywhere. Further, Ephesus was given over to superstition and magic and occult practices. And then there was the overall authority of Rome with its indifference to spiritual things. Against these many adversaries, a tiny church stood absolutely contrary to everything for which the city stood. And yet, that church stood with such power and force and effectiveness that it was overturning the economic system of the city. The silversmiths were getting all upset because their idol-making business was being destroyed, and they were upset about losing their profits. Paul knew what he was speaking of when he wrote about people who oppose him. He knew a little bit about adversaries. And he is declaring the fact that he will walk through an open door, but there is opposition. There are adversaries. Not everybody is happy about him walking through the door that God has opened. And not everyone will be happy with you walking through the door of opportunity and obligation that God has opened. Not everybody's going to pat you on the back. How many have found that to be true? You can tell a lot about a person from the kind of enemies they have. Now, I'm not saying we should go around trying to stir, trying to stir up enemies. <laughs> I'm saying we do the right thing and we follow hard after God. There'll be plenty of enemies around us. In 
World War II, Hitler imprisoned a German pastor, Martin Niemöller, for eight years. He spent some time in prisons and concentration camps, including the horrible place Dachau. Hitler realized that if Niemöller, a First World War hero, could be persuaded to join his cause, then much, much opposition would collapse. So he sent a former friend of Niemöller to visit him, a friend who now supported the Nazis. Seeing Niemöller in his cell, the one-time friend is reported to have said, Martin, Martin, why are you here? To which Niemöller responded, my friend, why are you not here? There will always be opposition to the cause of Christ. We need to understand that. Some of us are waiting. Well, when, when, will, when will the world just acknowledge that, uh, listen, when, when somebody in the church world messes up, boy, it's front page news. It's all over the internet. But you talk about ministries like Convoy of Hope that are in uh, the Ukraine now and other re Christian relief agencies and churches and para-Christian organizations that do such great work for the kingdom of God. You don't hear about those in the secular media, do you? And you never will, for the most part. Why? Because the value system of this world is opposed to the kingdom of God. And we keep waiting for that to change, and it never will. Because uh, the, the kingdom of this world is, has been always and will continue to be in opposition to the kingdom of God. There will always be opposition to the kingdom of Christ. You're saying, when will it become easier? It won't. Every time you walk through an open door, you will experience hardship and opposition. There will be many people who hope you never succeed. And the enemy of your soul will come at you with all he can to keep you from fulfilling God's promise. But you need to have faith, like we've been preaching about, faith that God will sustain you and will give you victory over the opposition, both human and demonic. You see, it doesn't matter what kind of opposition you face when going through a door that God has opened, because Almighty God has promised to be with you. Hallelujah! Yes, there will be opposition. Yes, there will be obstacles. Yes, there will be problems to overcome. But any door uh, that God opens is a door worth walking through and a door uh, through which we can walk with confidence, knowing in faith that He will be with us and He will help us uh, to uh, accomplish His purpose in the world. Opposition or not. In conclusion this morning... I want to share with you four necessities for walking through open doors. Four necessities for walking through open doors. The first one is this. It's praise. Praise. Praise opened the prison doors for Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas found themselves in prison. Why? Because they robbed a bank? Because they committed murder or assault? No, because they preached the gospel of Christ. They found themselves in a place they needed to get out of. They needed an open door to get out of prison. So what did they do? They held a praise service. <laughs> uh, they started praising God at the midnight hour. And what happened? The prison doors opened. 
These men became lost in praise. They stopped focusing on the, 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 the bonds that held them and the dark, dank prison cell where they were, and they started focusing on their God. And what did God do? God sent an earthquake, and the prison doors opened. Praise is an indispensable tool to walking through open doors. Amen? What's the second necessity for walking through open doors? Prayer. In Acts 12, 1 through 7, we have an account of another instance where prison doors were open. Peter found himself in prison. John had been beheaded and now prison. Uh, Peter was in prison. He found himself in prison and so he needed an open door to get out of the prison. And the word of God says the church was earnestly praying for him. We know what earnestly means, don't we? They were passionate. They didn't just mention it once and forget it. They were passionate. And what did God do? God sent an angel and set him free. Hallelujah. Prayer is one of the greatest tools we have as a church. And it's one thing the enemy knows. If he can keep us from praying, he can keep some doors closed. Come on. We know it. We know it. Whether we have a consistent prayer life or not, we know it. We know we need to pray. We know we need to make time. We know we need to spend time in God's presence. Why? Because prayer opens doors. Amen? Amen. Prayer. What's the third uh, necessity for walking through open doors. It's this. It's discernment. Discernment. In Revelation 3.8, God had opened a door for the church in Philadelphia. When Jesus said that a door had been opened in this church, he wasn't, of course, talking about a physical door in a building, but it was a spiritual door that they couldn't see with human eyes. Many times there are doors that God has opened for us, and they might be right before us, but we can't see them. Why? Because we lack discernment. Sebastian, what is discernment? Spiritual sensitivity. We have become so earthbound. Now, I know we live on planet Earth. I get that. My feet are on the ground just like yours. But we have become so earthbound in our focus and our thinking. We've become, in the church, we've become so secularized that our spiritual sensitivity can become dull. Pastor Tim, what do you mean by that? I mean that when we are spending time in prayer and, 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 and in the spirit and time worshiping, and when we are walking close with God, not just for a few minutes on Sunday morning, but when we are in constant communication with him and the spirit is flowing in our lives, we develop a spiritual discernment, a sensitivity to know what is going on in the heavenly realms, in the invisible realms. Say, so why is that important? It's important because that helps us to discern open doors. And, uh, and, and y y you've seen this. You've been in places where people, some people have, have, have noticed things and other people in the same con context, it passes them right by. I'm like that when I'm driving. We'll be driving. My wife will say, hey, so-and-so just went by. I'll say, well, I didn't see him. I was looking at the road. I'm being a good driver. but we need to have spiritual discernment. We need to pray, Lord, are there open doors today that you want me to walk through? You say, what do you mean? Well, somebody, somebody at work, just out of the blue, starts sharing their tale of woe with you. What's going on in their marriage, in their family, with their kids? And you can tell they're hurting. It doesn't have to be somebody at work. It could be a waiter at your restaurant at lunch today. 
and they're hurting. And see, if, we're, if we have spiritual discernment, we're going we're gonna to look for an opportunity to share Jesus with them, to share the love of Christ with them. And we're going to say, this is an open door. But if our main focus is, oh, I hope they don't, I hope they don't under, undercook or overcook my meat, you know. If, if, our, if our main focus is on, uh, you know, the service or something else, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to discern that open door. We need discernment. Fourth thing we need is courage. In Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua several times in those short few verses, be strong and courageous as he led Israel into the promised land because God had opened that door and would be with them. It takes courage to walk through open doors. Without courage, you could be staring an open door right in the face, yet not walk through it because you are afraid of what's behind that open door, afraid of what will happen if you walk through that door, if you seize the opportunity. How many open doors have we failed to walk through because of fear? We need courage. I heard, I heard, I heard someone, a preacher, you know, I, I, I know, I'm not so foolish to believe that you know, you remember every word out of my mouth. Uh, I, I wish I had that, you know, spellbinding orator, oratorical ability. But, you know, once in a while you hear messages and certain things just stick out to you and, and stay with you. And I, I heard a preacher talk about the, uh, the apostles in Acts chapter 4 after they had been arrested and they had been beaten for the cause of Christ. What did they do? When they all got back together, they held a prayer meeting. And you know what they didn't pray for? They didn't pray that they wouldn't be arrested again. They didn't pray that they wouldn't be beaten. What they prayed, and I like the way this preacher stated it, it stuck in my mind. He said, they prayed that God would put steel in their spine. So no matter what came their way, they would be able to hold up under the persecution and they would continue to advance the cause of Christ. That's what they prayed for. For courage rather than praying for an easy road. We need courage to walk through an open door. As we finish this sermon today, to reiterate, a door that God opens is first of all a door of opportunity. Opportunities are all around us. Secondly, a door of obligation. There are opportunities that are unique to you and unique to me. May we be faithful to accept our opportunity, our responsibility. And thirdly, a door of opposition. We know it's going to be tough. We know it's not going to be easy. Anything worthwhile, this is true in the secular world and doubly true in the spiritual world, anything worthwhile is worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. So we need to walk through that door, even if it's a door of opposition. I want to conclude this message with a question to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready to walk through an open door? Are you ready? Well, Pastor Tim, I don't know if the doors will open. They'll open. Are you ready to walk through an open door?